Wonderful. Well, welcome everybody to this conversation with Bishop Graham Tumlin. Uh, Bishop Graham was the area bishop of Kensington in London area until recently when he left to set up the Centre for Cultural Witness, uh, and a project trying to retell the Christian story in the public sphere. Um, before that, he founded and uh, was the dean of St. Melitus College, which trained a huge number and still does train a huge number of ordinance to Christian ministry in the Anglican Church, but also independent students, licensed lay ministers, youth ministry students, and, and so many others. Um, Graham's a prolific author. I pulled these two off my shelf earlier on today. Why Being Yourself is a Bad Idea, uh, The Widening Circle, amongst many others, uh, and is also part of GodPod. You might have come across a theological podcast, which I highly recommend. Um, Graham's a good friend of mine, preached at our wedding, uh, many moons ago, and uh, is a wise man who uh, I'd love to get thinking a little bit about sacred space as we celebrate this 150th year of St. Peter's building, uh, helping us to think through that slightly more theologically than maybe uh, some of the other events that we've done so far have helped us to. So I'm going to pitch a few questions to Graham and see where the conversation goes to help us think about what sacred space is uh, and why it's important. So I wonder if we might begin, Graham, by um, zooming right out, I guess. And if I was to ask you the question, where is God? Um, mm. How would you respond? Yeah, good question. Nice to see you, Simon. And uh, hello to everybody at St. Peter's. And um, really great to be with you, even virtually. Um, yeah, where, where is God is a really interesting question. I, mean, I, I often think um, um, if, if you were to ask that question, say in Corinth in the first century, you know, say if you were walking down the street in in the city of Corinth around the time when St. Paul was there and and the church was being founded, and you, you'd asked the question of a passerby, you know, where do I find God? They probably would have said to you, well, you, you find him in the temple. And um, it depends on who that person was. They would have directed you to a different place if they were Jewish they would have said, well, you, you kind of need to go to Jerusalem because that's where the temple is and that's where God lives. God lives in the temple in Jerusalem. If they were if they were pagan, uh, they would say, well, you know, you've got to go down the road here and you'll find the temple of Aphrodite or the temple of Zeus around the corner or, or the temple of Mercury or whatever. They'd have directed you to one of the pagan temples where the God lives. Um, if you like, the God sort of is represented by the sort of statue of the gods there. Um, it's in other words, they, they would have directed you to a building to tell you a place where God could be found. Um, whereas I think if, if you'd stop, if you know, if you'd bumped into St. Paul on that road and you'd asked him the same question, where do I find God? Well, in one sense, he might have answered the same question in the same way. Yes, you find him in a temple. But when he said, where is the temple? Uh, he would have directed you, not, not I think to a, to a building, but to a community. Now he'd have directed you to maybe a house down the road where the ch Christian church was meeting or a group of Christians who were meeting in a separate place uh, and so on. And I suppose, um, and I, I guess the, the, the thing that makes me think that that's what he would have said is that um, key verse that comes in 1 Corinthians 3, which is, you know, written um, to that very church in Corinth, where, where Paul says, you know, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God dwells in you? And I think that's, that's really interesting. You know, so we ask the question, where is God? Um, well, it's actually the God is found within the Christian community. Now, there's a kind of step back you've got to make before that, because, of course, if we were to say, where is God? 
ultimately we would say that God is in Jesus Christ. You know, where does God make himself known for us? He makes himself known in Jesus Christ. That's where we find God. But of course, Jesus Christ is not present with us in the flesh now. And so where is he? Well, he is present by his spirit among his people. Uh, and so, so his people are the temple of the living God. So ultimately, I think that's, I think, where I'd say the answer is, where do we find God? We find him in Jesus Christ. Um, but now, since the, the the resurrection and the ascension, we find God amongst his people, made present by the Holy Spirit, who and the church, which is the temple of the living God, as it were. Mm. I think some people would be tempted to answer that kind of a question by saying, you know, well, God's everywhere. Um, he's omnipresent. What would you say that's maybe strong within that? And where would you want to caveat that slightly? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's an element of truth in that, in the sense that God, God dwells within his creation. And God can, in a sense, God, God can be found anywhere. He's not located in a particular place. It's not like you have to go to church, you only find God in church. That's one of the remarkable things about um, the Christian church, is that we've always said that God can be found anywhere, because he's the creator of all things. He's not just the creator of certain places. Um, so there's something strong about that, that, you know, God can be found and can be encountered in, in nature, in ordinary encounters every day. And in fact, one of the disciplines of the spiritual life, I think, is that is developing those spiritual eyes to see and notice the presence of God wherever we go and just to kind of follow him wherever he is. Because God always, the, the God we follow is a, like is a hidden God who, who hides himself. He's never very obviously present. Even in Jesus Christ, he's hidden under the, the flesh of Christ. You know, in, in he hides himself in you know in bread and wine, in, in in holy communion, in the in the water of baptism, and in, in, even in amongst Christian people and and people that you meet each day. So there's an element of truth in that that we can find God anywhere. But the question is, how do you tell? How do you tell whether God is present in that in this particular situation or that particular um, place or whatever? And that's why we kind of have to go back, it seems to me, to the scriptures as the place that guides us and that tells us the kind of God we're dealing with. It helps us to recognize uh, where we sense the presence of God um, in, in what is good and where we don't sense the presence of God. Um, and I guess the other the other aspect of it is that, of course, you know, as Christians, we believe that the created order is is that created place it's something created by god but it's also fallen it's also broken the world that we know is not the world that god intended it to be because it's 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 it has been broken by the fall and therefore nature is always a bit ambiguous we never quite know um it's sometimes quite difficult to tell is god present here or is he not is that god or is that is that something else going on there um and that's why we kind of need to go back to those places where we where we are told that's where you'll find God, um, Jesus Christ, uh, in the testimony of the scriptures, uh, in sacraments of bread and wine and of water of baptism, and amongst the people of God where the Holy Spirit is present. And to say, well, that's where we know God is present. Um, and from there, we can get, begin to discern his presence in the rest of the world as well. Mm. So there are anchor points, if you like, and having yep. immersed ourselves there, we can then develop those eyes to see how and where God's present. Mm -hmm. That's really, really helpful. And would you say that there are certain places that are more significant in terms of encountering God than other places? Yes, I think, I think there are, and particularly, um, particularly places where the Christian church has gathered. And um, 
you know, there's something, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's obvious, isn't it? You go into a church and you become more aware of the presence of God than you do when you go into Tesco's or Sainsbury's or B&Q down the road. It's, you know, it takes a certain wisdom perhaps to to spot God in B&Q. I'm not, not, I'm not saying he's not present there, but there's something about a church that kind of alerts you to his presence and kind of guides you into, into it. And it's not that God is present there and he's not there in B&Q. God is present in all places, but that Churches are places that kind of concentrate our, our, our minds, bring to mind the presence of God. Um, and I think they, they do they do that in a, in a certain way. Um, you know, how is it that a church becomes that kind of place where it's just that little bit easier to encounter God? And I, I suppose the reason I, the way I think about this is that, is that it's not so much that there's some, I don't know, some unique special quality in the stone that is different in a church than it is in B and Q. Um, but if if the presence of God, if the temple of God is the people of God, you know, and that, that language of the temple of God is sometimes used of the bodies of Christians, um, you know, as well as the, the, the community of Christians, um, then the holiness that, that buildings acquire, that sense of, of, of this being a special place, it's as if it kind of rubs off from the Christian community that has met in that place and has prayed there and worshipped there and cried there and laughed there and shared their kind of um, moments of great joy of weddings and baptisms and but also moments of great sadness and funerals and and, and grieving and 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 so on in other words the place where the christian community meets the holiness of that building if you like is robs off from the holiness of the of the of the group that meets there the people of god who are drawn together by the spirit and and so therefore when you go into a place um that has been prayed in for years decades even centuries sometimes there is kind of something about that place um that makes it a special kind of you know sometimes people talk about a liminal space the sort of in between the kind of the you know the um this world and the next as it were and that's why churches can become that because it seems to me they 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 um the holiness of the of the christian community rubs off on the stones and the buildings itself and therefore that's why these buildings become really special for us and that's why they're important for us and that's why we look after them and that's why um they are valuable to us and why we don't just you know get rid of them and go go to meeting b and q all the time well you no, you can't do that you can't do that but there is that i'd argue a real value in christian buildings for that for that reason mm. And how would you encourage people to think about using buildings for all that good that you've just spoken about without then going too far the other way and over relying or distorting some of their goodness? How do we see and use our buildings rightly? Yeah, it's a good question. And there's a kind of, there's a sort of balance here, isn't there? Because Buildings, I mean, the Christian buildings, a little bit, a little bit like creation. Creation is something we are told is, is is given to us by God. It's something through which, to a certain extent, God reveals Himself. But it's not God, and therefore we 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 reverence creation, but we don't worship it. So we we look after the created order. That's why climate change is such a huge sort of theological as well as a kind of practical problem in our world because we are we are trashing the world that God has given us. And in the same kind of way that we want to look after the world that God's given us because it's God's world and not ours. It seems to me that something similar is true of, of Christian churches, that we look after them, we care for them. 
so you know it's it's right that we that we don't treat them um as if they're just nothing you know we treat them with care we look after them we clean them we make sure they look good um and, and there's a sense of you know there's a sense in which if christian buildings are places in which we can encounter god because of their their history their sense of being a place where people have prayed and worshiped for, for many many years and christian buildings need and maybe certain parts of it need that sense of sort of reverence or sacredness of holiness and certain parts of a building may have that maybe around the communion table maybe around the font maybe around some other parts of the uh, of the church at the same time though you know it seems to me that, that christian buildings are um, part of the activity of that that body of Christ, the temple of God that meets there, is also uh, its outreach to the wider community. And therefore, it seems to me that 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 if that, that buildings also need to be, you know, used creatively for the outreach of the church. Uh, there can be an approach of saying, you know, because these buildings are special, we must preserve them in aspic, never change anything, keep it exactly as it as it is. And so, for example, you often get churches where, you know, the, there was a kind of Victorian habit of putting in pews in churches. Um, and it does go back to Victorian times. The Victorians are very keen on pews. Before that, churches didn't really have pews much. You know, if you go back into the Middle Ages and the no cathedrals had pews, uh, if you go to Orthodox churches, they didn't have pews. Pews were a kind of temporary fashion, if you like, in the church. Now, there are many churches today that would say, well, actually, if we're going to reach out to our local community, if we're going to make this space something which people can use, where we can use it more than just for a couple of hours on a Sunday, actually what we need is a much more flexible space, maybe keeping some parts of the church as sort of sacred and holy, you know, and special, like the around the communion table or whatever in the sanctuary. But let's actually open up the rest of the space to the wider community. And that seems to me the right kind of balance that that the so that the um that the church is church building is, is is used for the mission of the church opened out for a wider community but also maintains that space of specialness and i can think of churches i've been into where they've removed the pews they've become places where you kind know, of mums and toddlers can come in where people can feel at home and there's a kind of homeliness about the main part of the building but if you like the, the sanctuary the place where um you know around the communion table that's kind of kept separate it's kept special it's kept um you know it's, it's not the kind of place where the toddlers run around all the time and you know and, and leave their toys everywhere because there's a there's a place that you know yes this is, this is a community building but it's also a place where where we can encounter god and they they've managed to kind of maintain this balance between kind of using it creatively and thoughtfully and adapting it for use and mission but also that sense of specialness um as a place where we can encounter god Mm, I think reverencing without worshipping, that's a brilliant way of, of thinking about this, isn't it? Because worshipping anything that isn't God uh, is going to lead to yeah. some form of ruin, isn't it? That's idolatry of, of any is. kind, whether yeah. it's a carved idol, as in the scriptures, or a, a church building here today. Reverencing, yeah. appreciating, enjoying, um, but not worshipping. You know, God's the one, the only one to be worshipped. Yeah. You started to lead us on to thinking about the... The role of churches for those who don't come to them you know the outward um dimension of them for their community and i think it was um the former bishop of london wasn't it that said that an empty church is like the the palace of a long forgotten king um your latest work is about kind of cultural witness outward proclamation what value if any do you think church buildings have in in that kind of a role what do they say to the communities um that live around them even if they have very little to do with them yeah well there's something about buildings and their architecture that they kind of make a point just by being there it often strikes me that you know, we have 
we have spires in our churches a lot of churches not not every church has a spire some of them have towers and so on but a lot of our churches have spires and you think well what's the point of a spire and the point of a spire i think is that it it points somewhere it kind of points to a different dimension it says you know look up not everything that is real is what you see around you there is another dimension to life and that's what a spire does and so a building if you like almost by its very presence points to another dimension even if it doesn't have a spire the fact that it's there is a recognizable christian church make, makes the point about the presence of god in a community um it seems to me that you know the church the, any, any local church kind of represents christ in that community by by in three, if you like in three ways by by what it is uh, by what it does and by what it says um and that to mention that the church represents Christ's presence by what it is, simply by being there as a building that is marked out as different, that is a church, maybe with a spire pointing upwards, saying there is another dimension, there's another reality, there's an unseen reality that is every bit as real as what you can see around you. Just by being there, it says something about the presence of God. You know, the churches also represent God by what they do, our act of compassion, our act of outreach, our, you know, setting up a food bank or a drop-in centre or act of compassion for a local community or praying for the sick or whatever it might be, those actions of compassion. And a church represents Christ by what it what it says, by what it by the sermons that are preached, by, you know, courses that are run to help people find faith, by those words that we use to invite people into a relationship with God that we call evangelism. And so that's what so that's what church does. And those two, those separate activities, those practical, compassionate actions, those words of introduction are often kind of based around the building themselves. And so that's it seems to be how the buildings can be significant, both by what they are, just by their simple presence in a community. And that's why we do need to kind of look after them. It's why I, I think actually we have a great heritage in having buildings that are recognizably churches as opposed to throwing them away and let's all go meet Starbucks down the road. And because you can walk past Starbucks and you've no idea that there may be a church meeting there. There's something about a church that has a tower or a spire that pe makes people think, yep, you know, it, it's a kind of reminder of, of, of God mm. uh, for people. And so that's, I think, the role that buildings can play. They can be a place where the church can enact its compassion and give out the kind of the invitation uh, uh, to, to faith in Christ. But even by their very presence, they they say something about the presence and the enduring presence of God, that God doesn't give up on communities. And even in places where the church is very small and very weak, sometimes the presence of that building uh, can be a sign for people that God hasn't yet given up on that community, that village, that town, that suburb, whatever it may be. Mm. I do wonder as well whether there's there's something about buildings that tap into a a longing, even for those who wouldn't call mm. themselves Christian. I'm just remembering, uh, you know, when Notre Dame Cathedral tragically yeah. burnt down, the outpouring of of grief, mm. almost of emotion. Um, mm. Sure, as a recognisable, uh, you know, place within Paris, and you know, yeah. an important beloved building, but it didn't feel like the National Trust building burning down, yep. or yep. it felt like there was something more because it was a cathedral, because worship yep. was offered there. Yep. And I wonder whether buildings also do some of that, um, mm. pointing to that other dimension and mm. tapping into the hunger so that when they're gone or when they fall or when a fire comes, there's a yep. deeper level of emotion yep. in response. I think that's, that's right. And it's, and it's also because very often these days, churches are some of the oldest buildings in communities around the place. I mean, you, your, your building, I think, is 150 years old. 
I don't know how many other buildings are 150 years mm. old around your part of um, your part of Berry. Um, certainly in other villages around the country, you've got churches that are 500, 600, even a thousand years old sometimes. And and that says something about the longevity of Christian faith, that this is something that has is not a kind of quick fad that's just come around in the last 10 years. You know, it's been around a lot longer than Instagram or Twitter, and it'll be around a lot longer after after we've all stopped using Instagram and Twitter. Mm. This is not a fad. This is you know, these are places where people have brought their their longings, their hopes, their prayers, their 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 moments of great joy, their moments of great grief. These are buildings in which people have brought their babies to be baptized. It's moments. It, it, these are buildings towards when where people have made sort of marriage vows to each other. Um, these are buildings where, where they've, you know, we, we we bring our dead and we, we we say our final farewells. These are buildings with great human significance, not just in a kind of temporary way, but over centuries. And so, in some ways, by the presence of those buildings, they kind of remind um, people that Christian faith has deep roots in our in our culture. It, it's actually been a, a, a hugely formative um, part of our of our way of life. Uh, and it's something that is actually held and um, and kind of you know helped to 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 process those moments. I mean, we saw that a little bit during the Queen's death and her funeral. That during those that week, um, that you know, so many of the ceremonies connected to the Queen's funeral were deeply Christian, and it kind of uncovered the kind of Christian roots of our constitution and of our nation in a way that the Church, the Scriptures. The wisdom of God could somehow hold the grief of the nation at that moment. And that's kind of what churches do as well. They remind us that Christian faith has long, you know, it's 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 a tried and tested thing. And maybe at the moment, you know, we may have as a culture drifted away from Christian faith in our in our in our day in, in this particular part of the world. Um, but it's still there. And it has been for centuries. Um, the tide may be going out by now in you know now in Christian faith, but tides come in again. Yeah. And we wait for the time when it will. Yeah, that's so helpful. And I think there's so much in there that's going to help us uh, celebrate the goodness in this building, but also, like you said, think about how it can continue to glorify God well into the future. Uh, I know before too long, we're going to be wanting to to really get our teeth into that, but this year particularly celebrating all that it has been, all the people that have worshipped and prayed and, mm-hmm. and all that we inherit from them, even if we haven't met them. Uh, Bishop Graham, what you've said has been really, really helpful. Um, anything in conclusion that you'd want to bring uh, as we embark on this uh, celebration of the space anything finally you want to say to the people of St Peter's yeah well it's, it's been great to sh- share with you for a short period and, and I think if you, if you go as you go into a period maybe where you're looking at your building and maybe renovating changing bringing about sort of things to it I think it's good to sort of think of that as a as a kind of metaphor for for, um, you know, if, if if the temple of God is, is, is as Christians is not actually the building, it's the Christian community. Um, that doesn't mean that the building can't be holy because the holiness of the community rubs off on the building, if you like. But if 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 the the, the temple of God is the Christian community and you're spending your time renovating, making the building look good, make sure you don't just do that and don't pay attention to making sure that the real temple of God mm-hmm. is renovated at the same time. And sometimes building projects can be a real spur to a kind of spiritual renewal as much just as much as the building finds renewal at the same time. And so you always want those two things to go hand in hand, a kind of renewal, a restoration of the building, uh, repurposing it for mission in the in, in, in the contemporary world at the same time as 
uh, as a kind of process of spiritual renewal, of rededication of lives to Christ, and a kind of renewal of purpose and, and focus on, on the life of the Christian community and individuals within it. So I'd, I'd try and do those two things at the same time. Yeah, amen to that. Thank you so, so much. I uh, really appreciate your time, your wisdom, your godliness, and, and everything you've fed into us here. Thanks so much. Thank you, Simon. And um, great to see you. And um, and uh, yeah, I hope that uh, your celebrations go really well. And uh, God bless you all at, at, um, at St. Peter's.